open up your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, if you're still learning your way around the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And Romans is in the New Testament. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. Romans was a letter that we believe the Apostle Paul wrote, not just to the church at Rome, but to the church in general. And it's, it's kind of like this, this, um, you know, this manifesto of salvation by faith, why we're saved by faith. But in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he said this. He said, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, now, he's talking to people that have received Jesus, not universally everybody, but anybody that puts their trust in Jesus has been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God. Now, he said that we have peace with God. Now, that statement is such an important thing to me because I grew up in a home where I remember my dad told me that part of his story was that for a huge part of his young adult life, that he struggled with having peace with God. He'd heard people talk about the fear of God, and so he'd always had in his mind that he was supposed to be afraid of the Lord, kind of this terror of him. And so as a result, it impacted what he saw himself doing. It impacted he saw God. He dealt with a huge amount of just anxiety and just all of those things. He went and saw therapists and just different things. He even told me, you know, that as a child, that, you know, when he was 15, both of his parents passed within a few months of each other. Separate illnesses, just he lost them. But before that, they'd been, they'd been dealing with these long-term illnesses. And he went to a church that told him, if you go to the movies, it displeases God. Now, there's some things, obviously, we shouldn't be watching. But I don't believe that's true with everything. So, um, so he went to the, his dad was doing better. And he went to a movie. And when he came home, his dad had taken a turn for the worse. And the devil jumped on that and said, see... You know, you, you know that God did this to your dad because you went to a movie as a kid. That's just a horrible thing to, tell, to put on a child, especially when it's not true. Religion has all of these rules and nothing for relationship. And so he, he dealt with that. And, and sometimes people live with that. They think they can have peace with God if I'm just better. If I just do better, I'll have peace with God. I mean, you know, Pastor Rick, I, I want to have peace with God, so I'm just trying to live right. Well, you know, we should want to live right, but that's not what brings us peace with God. It says this, that we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. In other words, that's why we have peace with God, not because I've been good, but because he was good. And because he is good, because Jesus gave himself for us. And we put our confidence and trust in him, that now we can have peace with God. And so it goes on to say, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Man, let me read that again. Wait, what? We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. How many of you have ever ran into a problem or a trial? Let me see your hand. All right, how many of you are, have ran into a problem or a trial recently? You're in that recently? Now, I've said this before in these kind of things, but I just want to say it to kind of put emphasis. Can I be real transparent with you? That's not my instinctive response. Babe, how are you doing today? Man, I just ran into some really hard places. I'm just doing so good. <laughs> no. No, that's not my instinctive response. But he said that we can do that. We can, 
It's almost like, and we have, I think we begin with a choice, an act of faith to do that. We can rejoice too when we run, in, when we run into problems and trials. For we know, everybody say no. For we know that they help us develop endurance. They help us to persevere. That hard places create endurance or perseverance in us. That it causes us to persevere. And so beyond that, it says they help us uh, to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So we can rejoice when we run into problems or trials because it creates endurance or perseverance in us, and that perseverance in us grows character. Why persevere? Well, here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, why persevere? We won't grow without it. If all we ever have were just easy places, easy things, and there would be no real growth in our life, the way that we're wired in this dispensation because we have a flesh, we won't grow without hardship. I've shared with you, you know, and again, when I share elements of my story, if you go here long enough, you hear my story, and you can tell it as well as I do. So if you could you get some new stories? I'm like, well, I'd have to get a new life, and I don't plan on doing that. So no, this is it. This is what I got. But as I've shared with you before, when I went through depression, you know, that the reality of it is, I don't think God did that to me or put it on me. You say, well, why did you experience it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was the devil. I don't know. Could have been physical. I, I don't know. I just know that I went through it. And I'd never gone through it before. And, you know, along those ways, through a huge season of it, I hid it as best I could, which required me to almost withdraw completely from people except in situations that I absolutely positively had to be in because I knew that it would be noticeable. But before I went through it, I always thought people were just feeling sorry for themselves. You know, come on, snap out of it. You know, it wasn't a bad day. You know, I realized it's not a bad day. It's not me feeling sorry for myself. If it was just that easy, I'd have thrown it off in a minute. And I hid it because I was just so embarrassed. I was going to Bible school for crying out loud. You're not supposed to be going to Bible school, going through depression. But I remember in it as I grew in my compassion for people that had been through it began to grow as well. And I even made a decision. I said, Lord, when I get on the other side of this. I'll share my story with people because up till now, anytime I've heard depression talked about it, it's either been made fun of from the pulpit or it's been something they've talked about that Christians never have. So there wasn't anything about that environment that caused me to say, I need to be just real vulnerable and I need to get help. I mean, no, it caused me to hide because I don't want to be ridiculed. I'm going to Bible school. And I don't believe that God put that on me, but I will tell you this much, there were things that were done in me in that season that impacted the way that I ministered to people decades later. I wouldn't have gotten there without it, I don't think. And it develops our character. It does something in us. It goes on to say this, that it, it's the strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. That as we persevere then we begin to get a confidence about the things that God has for us, you know, with our salvation, but also in every season. I will tell you that so many times now that as I go through things that I'm just reminded of the times before that I've went through stuff and how God has shown up and how he's helped me and been a part of things in my life. I, I love the account of David 
when he slew Goliath. Many of you are aware of that historical event where a shepherd boy named David met, was, uh, stood in front of a, a great warrior, a one that had a reputation in history that all the armies, all the soldiers of Israel were afraid of, and yet David, when he stood before him, had confidence. And you say, why is that? Because he was ready. Well, how did he get ready? Well, he told us. He said, look, I stood before the lion and the bear, and the Lord that helped deliver me from them will help me in front of you today. His confidence of experiencing the faithfulness of God in his past is the thing that gave him confidence to stand before Goliath that day. And so he wasn't in doubt. He was ready because he persevered on the other side. He could have ran when the lion showed up. He could have ran when the bear showed up. He could have hid himself. He could have just left his father's sheep you know, to their own devices until that bear or that lion got tired of eating them. But he wanted to be faithful and he trusted God. And so instead of quitting, he persevered. Little did he know, perseverance in that season prepared him for the season yet to come. And it was a thing that God used to elevate him in the eyes of a nation. And so that perseverance gives us confidence that we can trust God. Why? Because we've had to trust him before. We've had to trust him before. And so number one is this. Is that perseverance, why, is, why, does, why does it matter? We won't grow without it. We'll just be stunted in our spiritual growth. We won't grow without it. I, in my own marriage, I've become a better husband because I've persevered. If I, if I would have ran the first time that things got difficult or things became a challenge, I, I, it would have stunted my growth in the kind of husband I'm called to be. But persevering has required me to grow. And so number one is this, why persevere? Because we won't grow without it. Look at number two. Go with me, if you would, to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. It's several books over from Romans. You guys are really quiet. You're there listening. You've had too much eggnog already. And so here's the thing is that I'm just going to stay with it here, and I'm going to get after it. Hebrews 10, verse 32 says this. I'm sorry. I just say stuff sometimes. Anyway, Hebrews 10, 32 uh, and he was writing, Hebrews was a letter that was written to, to Jews that had converted to Christianity and were going through incredible hardship. They were being persecuted and they were, um, you know, just uh, they were being, you know, denounced from their family. They'd been shunned by their family where their families have nothing to do with them. They lost everything. And so some of them under pressure were starting to recant on their faith and turn back. He's writing this letter, letters full of persevere, encouragement, and that kind of thing. And so in verse 32, he said this, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. He's reminding them of all the hardship they've been in. He said, you went through all of those things. He said, don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember, everybody say remember. The great reward it brings you. In those hard places, that confident trust in the Lord brings a great reward with it goes on to say patient endurance is what you need now patient endurance or perseverance is what you need now it's what you need 
now. If you're going through a hard place, you can rejoice when you run into those things because you know that it's developing character on the inside of you. It's creating perseverance on the inside of you so that character will grow. Character grows under pressure. And you can rejoice now because you can have this confident hope in the Lord because this confident expectation, this patient endurance, it brings a reward with it. So you'll continue, it says patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. In other words, you won't quit doing what God wants under pressure. Then you'll receive all, everybody say all, all that he has promised. I mean, in other words, the implication here is then is that as we endure those things and persevere through those things, that there's things that God has promised us that we won't get to without this, without this thing that we're dealing with, without this thing that we're going through, that unless we're willing to persevere through this, then there's things that God has for us that we won't quite get to. It's wild whenever we're right in the middle of the will of God and storms hit. I mean, to my natural mind, it makes no sense. It seems like I'm in God's plan. I'm doing his will and his purpose. Things should be easy, right? Well, that's not how it works. Anybody that's walked with the Lord for a long time knows that that's not the case. For one reason, like I said before, we won't grow without it. There's something about our design and our makeup. Makeup and our character that causes us to realize that we won't grow without hardship, without those hard places that we go through. But then also, it says this, that, that there's things that God has promised us that we won't receive until we grow through. It's almost like he's getting us prepared for what he's prepared for us. That this hard season is preparation for what we're prepared for or called for. And so I put down here that why persevere? We experience the things God has for us on the other side of it. On the other side of it. Now, and again, you know, I can only use my story. I, I can tell you my story that when Tina and I first got in student ministry, that we took a 40% cut in pay. And you've heard our story that we had to hawk stuff. We had to hawk things in our life. You've heard the story about, you know, on one Christmas, we, no, we didn't have any presents. We didn't have a Christmas tree that, I mean, you know, people say, well, it's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. I agree with you on that and that type of thing. But I'll just tell you, as a man, I felt like such a failure. Because I want to do better for my family. That's one reason why gift of Christmas means so much to me. Because I've been one of those people before. I've been that guy that we didn't have it. So I know what it's like. That's why it's important to me to do things for people without trying to communicate any shame. Because I felt that. And there were times where I'm like, you know, is this worth it? Maybe we should just give up. I remember when our student ministry, finally, finally our student ministry is growing and, and great things are happening and there's great favor on it. So the church decides to build a youth facility and it's an incredible facility. Incredible. It's, there wasn't anything like it within 100 miles of Clovis. And, and so we were just, I was just so blessed. And, you know, we'd have three, 400 kids during school show up. It was so exciting. And I thought, man, this is really the time. No, man, honestly, I faced more persecution during that season of ministry than I ever had any time before. And it wasn't from non-Christians, it was from other Christians and churches. And, and you, know, they, you know, they didn't know what they were doing. It was in their insecurity. They were afraid we were going to steal all their kids. And, and so, they, you know, a lot of times we get in fear, we don't respond rationally. But, man, I was just so mad at them and so angry. And, and that type of thing, I just wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. And, and just there was something about God. He just anchored my soul in that season. 
And, you know, quite honestly, there are times I'm like, you know, it's kind of like when Jesus asked the disciples, will you leave too? And Peter's like, where are we going to go? People say, how did you stay so long in youth ministry? Nobody else wanted me. It was easy. <laughs> it, it beat being out of work. But I realize that now that there were things that God was doing in me. There were things that he was doing in me that had I quit that, I would not have been ready. Well, one thing he realized for me, he made it real to me at that time, I was too soft. Criticism impacted me too much. It still bothers me. But man, back then, I, I mean, when I get criticized, I was like ready to fight. Let's go. And he just knew that the things that he had prepared for me, that I was going to have to get tougher in that area. And it helped me. I remember that, you know, I would do officiating to help bring in a little extra money. And, and the hardest sport for me to officiate was basketball. And um, one of the reasons is because, like, on the floor is the worst place to see a game. You don't see everything. Up in the stands, you see everything. Just ask any fan, and they'll tell you that, yes, they see everything up in the stands. And so, uh, you know, just I, I would have these games, and, and you know, you just go through this place where, because when you do basketball and somebody does something, you have to blow the whistle immediately. And I remember my first game, I was kind of like, that's a foul. <laughs> and my mind's like, hey, you're supposed to blow the whistle, you dumb skull. Okay, yeah, that's traveling. <laughs> and I'd have guys looking at me like, as they're running down the floor, and I'm like, yeah, I know somebody should really blow a whistle. You know, I'm running with them, I'm like, I... And it just took me a while to kind of adjust to it. But, man, you can be on that floor and be so sensitive to people. I, you know, I remember back then, this tells you how long ago it was, girls' basketball in Oklahoma was six on six. How many remember that right there? Some of you were like, say, what? Yeah, it was. I'm telling you. And so, uh, and, uh, it was, and so you'd have three on one side and three on the other. And I never repped one of those games before. And so typically what they would do, they put me in a high school tournament. And there's supposed to be a guy that's a veteran. And I'm the rookie, and so he's supposed to help me. Well, that day the veteran doesn't show up. And it was clear that he hadn't shown up, and they got the rookie. And I got a coach that was less than merciful. And so, and I knew, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, you know, you're stinking up the floor, and you're like, you want to go over and just apologize, like, hey, I'm really sorry. I, I know I'm bad, but I'm collecting a check anyway. And so just so you know. But, I, you know, I did, not, you know, I was trying to. And so finally at halftime, one of the person came to and said, hey, the, they've, got, they've got one of the guys with some experience who's going to come. I said, oh, man, thank God. So I'm trying to be kind. I go to the coach. I said, hey, they've got a guy coming here. He's going to help me. He goes, well, you need help. And so I showed him I had one last moment of pettiness in me, and I teed him up. I went, boop, like that. And they're like, what? And I'm like, you got a technical. So, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I just remember that season that, you know, that it would be real easy for me just to get distracted, just to get frustrated. I want to just give up and like, man, who needs this? And, and you know, we can do that things with the, uh, those kind of things with the God, things that God has called us to, that we can just walk away real easily. And if there's a price for it, because there's something about persevering that causes us to grow so we can get to the place that we're ready for what God has for us. I've said this when it comes to promotions and stuff like that. There's only one thing worse than, getting, than not getting the position we want, and that's getting it before we're ready. And God prepares us in hard seasons. He prepares us in hard seasons. He wants us ready in hard seasons. What he's called us to do requires us to go through this season, to push 
through this place. Then, it says, then you'll receive all that he has promised. Don't give up, don't quit, persevere. What you want is on the other side of this hard season. And so we have to learn why persevere is because we experience the things that God has for us on the other side of it. Let's look at number three and we'll close with this. You're in Hebrews 10. Let's go to Hebrews 12, two chapters over. Now, Hebrews 11, many of you know, is it's this chapter that kind of mentions so many of these faith heroes. It's like a faith hall of fame. It, it talks about Daniel and it talks about Sarah and it talks about Abraham and Moses and Noah and Enoch. It talks about all of these people that had trusted God in the hard places and just and persevered and didn't give up and got to experience a great thing. He says now that they're in this great you know, uh, crowd of witnesses, not only being an example and a picture for us to look to and to encourage us to finish, but I think also kind of cheering us on like, go. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Everybody say endurance. Endurance, endurance to persevere the race God has set before us. So he said we're called that the race that God has given us. Well, I feel like my race is finished. If you're, if, you're, if you're not dead, God's not done. If you're still breathing, you're still running. No matter what your circumstances or situation is in life, he still has something for you to do right in the middle of where you are. And so he says that this race that we're called to run, that there's seasons of it, times of it, that we're going to have to persevere and endure. And so he told us, he said, man, he said, run it with endurance, all that God has said before. So he said, we do this. He's going to tell us how to persevere, how to endure. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And so it says that the way that we endure, the way that we persevere is by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Can I tell you that my problem is that sometimes when I'm in a hard place, I get distracted by the hard place. That my eyes look at the other things around me. Like, man, what, I got to go through this? Or this isn't fair, God. Look what's happening to them. That's not fair, God. This is taking place. And all of those things just impact me in such a way that it slows me down. Those are the things that want me to give up. Those are the things that distract me and want me to quit is the fact that I'm not looking where I'm supposed to be looking, that I'm called to keep my eyes on Jesus because he helps me persevere in the race that I'm called to run. If my eyes are on these other things, then they distract me. I love Nehemiah. Nehemiah, he's building the wall, and he's got some people that are persecuting him, questioning his motives. Insecure and lazy people will always question your motives, questioning his motives. And so, you know, they want him to come down and meet with them, and finally he sends him a letter. He says, look, I'm engaged in a great work. I can't get off the wall to meet with you. One of the tricks of the enemy is he's always trying to get you in the wrong fight, in the wrong battle. David, before he goes out and faces Goliath, his brother's, you know, challenging him and accusing him. David could have stopped and he could have gotten a fight with his brother, but it wasn't the fight he was called to fight. 
It would have cut him short of the fight he was called to fight, and that was he's supposed to face Goliath that day. We get our eyes off Jesus, we get distracted, we start fighting the wrong fight. We get in the wrong battle. We want to give up and walk away because we feel like it's taken too long, that, that God's you know, mistreated us, that life's not fair, and all of those things. And we get so distracted that we miss out. But the Bible clearly says that the race that we're called to run, we have to run with endurance. We've got to persevere in it. And the way that we do it is by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Amen. That we have to look at him. And while we do that, he's growing and doing a work in us. And on the other side of that, when we get there, it's not too big for us. We're prepared. We're ready. The reason why all the armies of Israel ran from Goliath that day is because he was too big for them. David was ready because he had not quit in those secret moments when nobody else was watching. He persevered, and he let God show himself faithful. And that day, no matter what looked like on the outside, David was, he was way bigger than Goliath was because he was God-inside-minded. And so as we do that, then we're ready to persevere because we have God for us. We persevere because it requires us to keep our eyes on Jesus. It keeps us from turning our eyes to the wrong place. It causes us to endure. You won't have the marriage you want if you're not willing to persevere. Your kids, every, most of our kids, maybe not yours, but most of our kids, they'll go through seasons or moments where they are crazy. They lose their mind. And it's going to be real easy to want to give up parenting them and that type of thing. But if you want them to turn out to be the human beings that God has called them to be, then you have to persevere that. You have to persevere it. There may be things he's called you to do at your job. And, and you sense in your heart, you know he's not finished with you, but it'd be just so much easier if he gave up. There's something about persevering. There's a preparation that takes place there that you won't experience any other way. So we persevere because it's the only way we grow. We won't grow without it. If we're constantly quitting, we'll have no long-term relationships. If we're constantly quitting, we won't build. It. God won't be able to use us to build anything because anything he calls you to build, it's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging. You won't experience what it's like to, you know, to go through these hard places and this hardship. You know, we, we learn things as a result of that. But if we quit... We just stun our growth over and over again. We keep falling short of the things that God has for us. Not because God's withholding from us, but we've got to be to a place where he can trust us with it. That comes through perseverance. Proving faithfulness. I wish it wasn't so, but I do. My, pray, my prayer life tends to be different when I'm going through a hard place. I know some people were like, well, I pray the same way all the time. Well, I salute you. I'm not there yet. I want to get there. I still pray, but there, I'm just telling you right now, there are times still when things are really difficult, my prayers are different. You know what hardship has done? It's required me to persevere. And the reason my prayers are different is because they're fully locked on Jesus in that moment. It puts our eyes on him. We persevere because it requires us to keep our eyes on Jesus, where they belong. I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. I want us to spend a moment with God. I, I just want you to take this moment to just spend with him, let him do in you 
what he can do, that if you've ran into a hard season or hard place, just don't give up. Don't quit. Keep looking to Jesus. Trust that there's a work that's taking place, that he's growing you, that you need this now because on the other side of it is you get to experience the great reward that he's promised for things that we go through for this season as we continue to trust him. As we spend a moment of God, this is a day that we're doing baptisms. If you sign up to be baptized, if you'll make your way towards the back, then we'll get you ready. But the rest of us, let's just stay engaged right here for this moment. Let's spend a moment with God.